Hi, thank you for joining us for Peace Lutheran Church podcast. I'm Pastor Brad Schallenberg. Uh, we're going to be looking at Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, uh, the man of lawlessness, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overcome with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings, the traditions we passed on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. God has given us prophecies concerning the coming of the day of the Lord and the end of the world. And they've been given for two reasons. To warn us of what is to come and to comfort us. Now, some people just use the signs as a sort of death threat to scare people into believing. But the signs are really given to those who already believe. So they're not meant to scare people into believing, but more of a wake-up call to pay attention to things that are really important. That is the truth. The truth we have been given in God's revelation to us. The signs act as guidance and also give us comfort in uncertain times. And let's face it, these times seem uncertain. A lot of the times seem so negative and so awful. 
And as Christians, we sometimes question, why do things have to get so bad? Well, asking that question is like saying, while you are driving down the highway, why did they put a curb in the road? And the answer is obvious. It was necessary. Any of you who drive east along the Trans-Canada Highway from Winnipeg, straight, 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 and then it gets curvy. You never question all those curves in the road throughout the lakes and rocks of the Canadian Shield. That's the way it was planned. So too with the last things. But if we were to be driving down the road and all of a sudden there was a real sharp turn and no warning, no sign, we'd be pretty upset. Not that the road curved, but that we were not warned about it. So we are warned about things to come. Thank you, God. You didn't have to, but you did. And we're grateful. So Paul taught the good people of Thessalonica about some of the things that were going to happen when Jesus comes again. But someone in the community started a rumor that the end was already upon them. So Paul writes these words in his second letter to calm their nerves, turn off the alarm bells. He encourages them in their faith, exhorts them to be steadfast and work for a living. Apparently that was an issue. And corrects some misunderstanding concerning the Lord's return. It is a real comfort to know what lies around the corner. I mean, God loves us so much that he does not want us to lose our faith. So he warns us about things that will challenge us. I find it interesting that at this time of the church year, think about it, we celebrated that we are saved by faith alone on Reformation Sunday. And then that was followed by All Saints Day when we celebrated the end result of our faith faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And now we move to the warnings that there will be challenges to our faith along the way to eternal life. So, stand firm in the faith that you have received. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? Well, free from what? Free from fear. We look at our world and what's happening in it, and we open up the Bible and read what was written 2,000 years ago, and we see that what it said would happen is actually happening. Wow, God, you were right. We really do have a God who knows everything. His word is absolutely true and trustworthy. And if his word is true about these things, oh, then I know his promises to me will also be true, that my sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ his son, and that I am going to heaven, not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done. I'm so going to stick even closer to the truth of his word. I'm going to study even more diligently this book and believe it. I'm going to believe even stronger in his promises and not just believe them, but trust them. So don't be frightened about this or that particular prophecy. It's reality. Reality doesn't hurt as much as if you know it's coming or you're expecting it. It's like when you get the flu shot, right? I know I've got to go through this and it will hurt for a bit, but I'll be okay. So the Bible records these things. Let's be clear, not to gratify our desire for information concerning the mysteries of the future, nor are they given to appease our curiosity. Prophecies are teachings about the future. But they are more than that. They have practical importance to the present. They are given to us so that we can evaluate. Am I believing what I should be believing? 
Am I living what I should be living? Now, the picture we have before us today is one of rebellion and lawlessness. And I want you to think about that word, lawlessness. It's pretty clear. Rebellion against God and his will. And for us who are used to living in a society that generally has upheld what we believe, well, that is certainly not the case anymore, is it? Hmm. I've witnessed this in my own lifetime. There is a rebellion, an opposition against anything God and his will and his chosen one, Jesus Christ. Now, when we think of the will of God, what do we think of? Well, I think of the Ten Commandments, God's law, right? Live always according to God's will, the will and standards of God. And we could go through them one by one and see that, yes, today there is a rebellion against God's law. So let's start at the back. God says don't covet, yet we live in a society that Krevko says, gotta have it. And people will go way into debt just to pay for their wants, not necessarily their necessities. Coveting, right? God says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. That's called gossiping. And it makes for juicy TV. We have shows called like the Gossip Girls. How about this one? Thou shalt not steal. Well, what's been happening in the news lately in our own city? Liquor store thefts. Real big problem. You shall not commit adultery. Well, this one is a huge one in our sexual revolution. We've been taught in God's holy word that sex is God's sacred gift to a husband and wife in marriage. But today, our society has redefined marriage and made sex casual and self-gratification. It's for sale on the internet. We have people promoting all kinds of deviant sexual behaviors. Affairs are rampant. Whew. How about this one? You shall not commit murder. Now, we still think that murder is wrong, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's clear, especially in the unprovoked stabbing death of that three-year-old boy we heard in the news. It's absolutely awful. I mean, who would kill an innocent child in his sleep? Yet in Canada, we say it's perfectly legal to take the life of a three-month-old child in the womb. I mean, what's the difference? Both are children. Both have all their parts and their functioning, their own set of fingerprints. Both are persons. Both are still reliant on their mothers. Both are fully human and nothing else. Both have a face. Both created by God. Both made in God's image. Both redeemed by God through the atoning work of his son. And both called or soon to be called by God's saving grace. So the commandment tells us to value life, period. But we value our freedom to choose more. And so we have also euthanasia, suicides. The Bible says we become murderers when we hate our neighbor. 
and our schools and workplaces are full of bullying and violent crimes are on the rise. How about the fourth commandment? Honor your parents and those in authority. We just had a couple of elections this fall, right? Provincial and federal. I don't know about you, but I didn't see a whole lot of honor given by those in authority or to those in authority. Did you? Hmm. Seems no one is being honored or valued or obeyed. Everybody is free target for insult and criticism. Shall I keep going? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Third commandment, right? People don't rest and reflect and give thanks to God anymore. Very few. Churches should be packed on Sunday if that were true. But our society no longer sees life and all of life's resources as a gift from the hand of a generous God. So, no need to thank, pray, serve, and obey him. How about this one? You shall not misuse God's name. That means it's it's not to be used carelessly or irreverently. A survey was done in 2007, a big survey, and 96% of the user of the uses of the word of God on primetime TV were classified as careless and irreverent. Oh my And then the big one, you shall have no other gods before me. And we look at our world and it's full of all kinds of man-made religions and all kinds of man-made saviors. I mean, a God is something you put your trust in. And God, at least in our country, has been replaced with humanity and the sciences and money and technology, popularity, image, self-help books. Congratulations, Canada, we're leading the way. So we've seen attacks levied at not only God, but that which is godly, the church and the Bible. How many years ago the Da Vinci Code came out? The church is guilty of a big cover-up. The Bible is flawed. Take Christ out of Christmas campaign. Get any religious symbolism out of the government offices currently in Quebec. Get any talk of God creating out of the schools, especially the halls of higher education. People like Richard Dawkins promoting his atheism. But here is what is really interesting about this lawlessness, this rebellion, this source of apostasy according to Paul. It really comes in the last day from within the church. And sure, we can point to society and say, it doesn't really care about God's will. But how about the church? We've seen in the last century a real eroding of the fundamental truth of the Christian faith by some in the church. There are many examples of Christians who have caved into public pressure and flip-flopped on their traditional beliefs. They believe such things as God is not a person but a force. He created but used evolutionary processes. The Bible's history and metaphor, not to be taken literally, 
and it contains myths, you know, miracle stories, and errors, but still useful. Jesus was a social activist that inspires the transformation of society and a darn good psychologist. Abortion is okay. Euthanasia is okay. Homosexuality, prostitution, divorce, sex outside of marriage are all acceptable. We have to change with the times, they say. Do you see this happening today? Well, of course you do. Don't be surprised. The Bible talks about an individual and a mystery of lawlessness. Or in other places, like the writings of John, the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist. The point is Satan is behind it all. Jesus says he's the father of lies, falsehood, deception, opposition of the truth. And that's the worst kind of evil, subtle evil. And that's the one sign I want to warn you to watch for. The Bible says the devil masquerades as an angel of light. Here, I'm going to share with you a little quote from a movie that I seen years ago. The movie's broadcast news. And there was a scene in that film that really reminds me of this secret power of lawlessness. Let me set it up for you. In broadcast news, Holly Hunter plays a network news producer who is falling in love with Tom, the network news anchor. Now, what makes this interesting is that Tom embodies basically everything that she despises. But he's very confident and good-looking, so she's attracted anyway. To have a relationship with Tom means that she will have to compromise a lot of the values that she holds dear. And then she has a conversation with a friend who tells her this. And here it is. I know you care about him. I've never seen you like this with anybody, so don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. I mean, what do you think the devil's going to look like if he's around? Come on. No one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. No. I'm semi-serious here. He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. Don't be deceived. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. He is the truth. And we're to love the truth, not refuse it. God protects all people from the lies of Satan by giving the truth. He gave us the truth in creation, so we are without excuse. And he gave us the truth in his son, Jesus. Some people will believe it, and some will refuse to love the truth. So how do you tell truth from error? Well, here is the truth spelled out for us in God's word. The Bible doesn't just contain the truth or some of it. It is the truth. It's all truth from our Heavenly Father. 
He even had it put down in writing so we could reference it anytime some new teaching or new philosophy or new belief should arise. We will be able to discern. How does error creep into what we believe? Well, first, error asks to be tolerated. Then it demands equality and that it imposes itself over the truth. We see that happening today. So let me ask you, is there something in your life that's inviting you to lower your standards just a tiny little bit? Something that's moving you to forget or neglect God's standards for your life? Something that's subtly deceiving you and luring you in because it seems so good, feels so good, feels so right? Careful, that sounds like lawlessness. That's deception. And we are all guilty of giving in, giving up, and going along. Here's the good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Part of the gospel, the truth contained in God's revealed will, is to know and believe that if you have given in and fallen short, you have in Jesus Christ a Savior who forgives you and restores you today. I am writing to you, little children, swayed to and fro by every wind of teaching. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God's Spirit and God's Word is at work in us, according to the Bible. That means that no matter what is happening in our world, no matter what kind of deception, lawlessness, or anti-Christian beliefs or opposition, you're going to be okay because you have and hold on to the truth. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming in and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions or teachings that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. That's the word of God that was passed down from generation to generation. That's the Holy Scriptures, which help us navigate through this life. They keep us on the straight and narrow. The Holy Spirit works through the means of grace, the word and the visible word, the sacraments of holy baptism, the Lord's Supper, to keep us in the faith. And then Paul ends with this. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope, through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen. Amen.